Well, good morning. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, choir and instrumentalists, for leading us so well in worship today. I'm so grateful that you're here, and I'm certainly thankful to be able to speak to you. This morning, I want to speak to you about walking worthy. In fact, if you have your Bible with you, you might as well go ahead and get ready. Colossians chapter 1. We'll jump right in here in a moment. I've noticed over the years that you actually can tell a lot about the people that you see by the way that they walk. You can tell that somebody's in a hurry by the cadence in their steps or just the opposite. You can see that someone is in no hurry at all as they slowly saunter to wherever without urgency. You can see that someone is suffering injury by the irregularity in their stride. Two of my children have scared us to death as they have engaged in this worrisome walk known as sleepwalking. No matter the age of your child, no matter how cute they are at 2 a.m. at the foot of your bed, they are terrifying. <laughs> Undoubtedly, they are only there to cause you harm. One of my sleepwalkers and I like to go on Wednesday nights after church to the mall. We like to have dinner together and hang out a while. Sometimes she goes shopping, sometimes I'll go with her, sometimes I'll sit outside the store while she goes inside. And I've noticed that there are all kinds of different walks at the mall. Sometimes there's an older couple together, they're holding hands, they're cautiously navigating the mall together. They've probably come in from out of town. The mall has changed a bit. The stores are different, so they're cautiously navigating together. And it's all a part of that annual pennies pilgrimage that they make. It's very sweet. But there's also a bit more humorous walks that you see at the church. There's always a group of middle school boys, I've noticed. And sometimes you hear them before you see them. And they walk a different way. <laughs> How you doing, girl? <laughs> Why don't you meet me at the Dippin' Dots? You know, it's a, it's a funny walk, and it's ironic because they just came from the discount theater to see trolls for the fourth time. <laughs> There's only $3 between all of them, but they're ready for a relationship. It's a, it's a funny walk. There's also the actual mall walkers. So you know who, I, who I'm talking about as soon as I said that. The mall walker has two very distinct characteristics that separate them from the rest of the mall multitude. Number one is high hands. High hands as they walk through the mall. Have you seen them power walking through the mall? Belt level is out of the question. Somewhere just beyond cross-country skiing seems to be preferable. A second characteristic is white tennis shoes. Probably a late 80s Keds, maybe a 90s Reebok, best case scenario. They're not hard to spot because they walk with urgency. They will knock a soft pretzel out of your hand and they don't care, they just keep on moving. Because this isn't a shopping trip, it's a business trip. Finally, I, I think of someone else, a final character at the mall who is sadly, slowly walking behind someone. He's carrying several bags. He seems a bit out of place, a, a bit dejected overall with an expression that just says, help me. <laughs> I call these walkers 
husbands. <laughs> I've observed this and you have too, and I've wanted to engage with these gentlemen, but I'm keeping an eye on my daughter, but I imagined if I could corner one and have a conversation, I would say something like, hey man, are you okay? You look upset, are, are you here on your own accord? <laughs> they would say something like, of course not. I had to come, I never intended to be here. I would say something like, well, I've got my truck in the parking lot. I've got ESPN on the radio. I can, I can help you. I can take you there. And he would say something like, no, I can't. I'm in too deep. <laughs> he would go on to say, I don't even know who I am anymore. I promise Bed Bath & Beyond after this. <laughs> it's interesting the walks that you see and you can tell things about people's lives and what's going on by the way that they walk. And the Apostle Paul gave walking instructions to his audience often. To the Romans, he would say, walk in the newness of life. To the Galatians, walk by the Spirit. The Ephesians, walk in love. The Philippians, walk according to the pattern of the apostles. So it's not surprising that Paul would offer walking instruction to the Colossians. To walk is this Jewish metaphor to the way we behave, the way that we live. Paul begins this letter to Colossae in typical fashion. He's designating himself as an apostle. He addresses the Colossian believers as the faithful in Christ. He writes that he's grateful for their faith in Jesus and the love that their lives display. He didn't plant this church, but he's grateful for the gospel that had been taught by Epaphras, now a, a fellow bondservant. He says, I haven't stopped praying for you. Aren't those sweet words when someone tells you, I've been praying for you. I haven't stopped praying for you. Paul goes on and he says, I pray like this. This is how I pray over you. We look at verse 10 with me so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. For the attaining of steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. The Colossians are to live in a manner that is worthy of the one whom they confess as Lord. Adding to this, the apostle says that they would please God in every way. It's not this frightened attitude of somebody who is a superior, but rather it's a behavior that honors the Lord because it arises out of grateful obedience to him. Paul is writing to these early believers saying, walk worthy, live lives worthy of the Lord. I believe this morning, if we put our heart's focus on God's word this morning, that this prison prayer that Paul penned can be transformational in the way that we walk, the way that we live. I wonder if you'll put your heart's attention and your mind's focus on it just for a moment. I wanna give you some words this morning that should influence the way that we walk from this passage. Verse 10 again, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. The first word is this, growing, growing. Will you say growing with me, you ready? One, two, three, growing, excellent. Growing in fruit, he says first, bearing good fruit. Paul is praying that the Colossians grow fruit from good works. 
Apparently, it should be noticeable. There should be good works in the gate of the believer. In fact, Jesus said every good tree bears fruit that will be known by our fruit. When I was a little boy, we lived in Sweetwater, Texas. Hold your applause. (laughs) And I remember going to visit my grandparents and I was amazed that they had a real fruit tree. It was an apricot tree, but I guess that counts. And I remember I had never experienced that before, never had seen it before. And when I finally saw this tree bear fruit, I was amazed. Apparently fruit didn't grow well in Sweetwater, Texas. So it took the fertile, well-watered plains of Borger for me to experience such a truth. You know, I remember that fruit tree that my granddad had in his backyard. But I gotta tell you, years later, I was standing by the side of a hospital bed where my granddad was, and I met a different kind of fruit that he had. A gentleman came in, he introduced himself, he was there with his wife. He came to talk with my granddad and pray with him. This man began to tell me as I was in my adolescence about how he had met my granddad, a bit about his testimony, and about how my granddad had shared Jesus with him. And that this man had accepted Christ as his savior. And he said, you know what? When your granddad told me that, everything in my life changed when I accepted Christ. My life is totally different. My life has been transformed. Sometimes I think about that fruit tree, but I'll never forget seeing in front of me the fruit of good works. They impact us. They impact a lost world around you. They impact your family. See, this is the kind of fruit that has lasting effect on people that we live with. Is there evidence of good fruit in our life that we're growing that? Does a lost world see that when your kids run their fingers through the leaves of the limbs of the family tree you've grown, will they come across the fruit in your life? He says we should be growing, not just this good fruit, but also in knowledge. Verse 10 again, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing the knowledge of God. This is an experiential knowledge, not just intellectual, hollow head knowledge, but truly as we become more aware of God's ways and God's, uh, God himself, he changes us. See this growth of good fruit and knowledge, they work together. See, as we begin to grow in this knowledge, we go from just knowing about God to knowing him not just knowing about him, but abiding in him. Do you remember the words of Jesus in John's gospel? I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same shall bring forth much fruit. You can do nothing without me. See, these work together as we abide in Christ, as we get to know him and we grow in our knowledge and he changes us, our lives begin to bear fruit. Paul's praying He's saying to this church, he's saying to you and I that we should be growing. Another thing I want you to see is that we also should be gaining. 
In verse 11, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of steadfastness and patience, the gaining of strength. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. There's actually three words that make up this phrase showing and describing a power that has vitality and overcomes resistance. And this is a supernatural power that we experience. Many of you have also had this title in your home of the undefeated, undisputed lid opener in your home. Right now with my three children, all being younger, they often come into issues where they struggle with a lid and they fight over a jar and they'll work on it and work on it. And finally, I'll be watching, they'll come over and say, Dad, will you open this? I can't open this. And then I and all my all-powerful dad's strength will open a water bottle or something. Uh, You know what that's like. Do you know that many of us will walk through our lives fighting and wrestling and working on things in our own power, spending months and years struggling with something on our own strength, when all the while our Father, who is all-powerful, is there to help us? When we could just say, here, Lord, can you help me? Can I give this to you? See, this is talking about gaining strength, but also steadfastness. It's mentioned in verse 11, a God-given strength that brings endurance and patience that we can fight through the circumstances of life and stay strong like a strong stone that is a foundation that supports a structure when the earthquakes or an anchor that steadies a ship in the storm. God's strength gives the believer a way to walk through the weariness in this life unwavering. Paul's prayer shows we should be growing as believers, gaining as believers. Another thing he mentions in this passage is we should be giving. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of life. Thanksgiving in Paul's letter is talking about an attitude of thankfulness, a way that we live. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's an evidence, a mark of a true believer that they are grateful. They give thanks. read a story from a gentleman named Tim Timmons who is an author, and he talks about in the 80s being in San Francisco and going through a toll booth. He noticed a man who had music blaring in one of the toll booths. It sounded like a party, he said. It was like Michael Jackson concert, he said. He said, when I got to this toll booth, I said, sir, what are you doing? He said, I'm having a party. What about the rest of the people in the toll booths who are just standing there? I don't know, they're not invited. (laughs) He said, I had a dozen other questions for him, but someone who was in a hurry behind me, they started honking. But I made it a purpose to come back and go through his booth. Again, he came across this man, he said, what are you doing? He said, I remember you from the last time I'm dancing, I'm having the same party. I said, look, what about the rest of the people? He said, stop, what do those people look like to you? He pointed to the toll booth and he said, I I don't know. And he said, vertical coffins. He said, what are you talking about? He said, I can prove it. At 8.30 every morning, live people get in, they die for eight hours. At 4.30, like Lazarus from the dead, they reemerge and go home. For eight hours, brain is on hold, dead on the job, going through the motions. I was amazed, he said. This man had had a philosophy about his job. He said, why is it so different for you? You're having a good time. He said, I knew you were going to ask that. 
He said, well, I, I want to be a dancer someday. And he pointed to the administration building close by and he said, my bosses are over there and they're paying for my training. See, 16 people dead on the job and the 17th in precisely the same situation figures out a way to live. That man was having a party and you and I wouldn't last for three days. The story goes on to say that this man had lunch with the toll booth man and he said, I don't see why anybody would think my job is boring. I have a corner office, glass on all sides. I can see the Golden Gate, San Francisco, the Berkeley Hills, half of the Western world vacations here, and I just stroll in every day and practice dancing. You can choose to be a thankful person. You can choose to bear this mark of a believer. To be somebody in all circumstances, I, I will give thanks to my Father. Paul says that should be evidenced in the way that we walk. See, Paul prayed that these believers would grow good fruit and in the knowledge of God that they would gain strength from him and steadfastness, that they would be giving thanks to the Father. And we want to honor God with every step, show a lost world the way, and even leave our family the right footsteps to follow. See, pay special attention to this. See, Paul is telling us how we should walk worthy, growing, gaining, giving. But just listen to the why we should walk worthy. Will you look at verse 13 with me? For he rescued us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He prayed how we should walk, and then he says, for, or because, because you've been rescued. That's another word I want you to think about. Not just growing, not just gaining and giving, but consider that you've been rescued. Believers have been rescued, delivered through Christ. They were brought from a rebel kingdom and placed under the sovereignty of their rightful king. Paul knew this concept so well. He had been called into proclaiming this truth to testify about it. Listen to his conversion being mentioned in Acts chapter 26 to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith. The why is important. We've been rescued. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. He rescued us, and then he relocated us. You see that similar language is used here to when Jesus was baptized. This is my beloved son and who I am well pleased. He's transferred us to the beloved son. See, this is the home we've been transferred to, brought out of brokenness and into the beloved. See, the why is important. We've been rescued. We've been relocated. Listen to the end there. His beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Rescued, relocated, and redeemed. 
Redemption here means to be rescued by ransom, the act of freeing somebody who is enslaved. Just as Israel was enslaved in Egypt before being rescued by Yahweh, the Colossian believers have been enslaved to the domain of sin and death before they respond in faith to God's gracious act of salvation in Jesus. Years ago, my little boy was just a toddler And we were about to have our second child, a little girl. We lived in Houston, Texas, and we were really concerned about what was gonna happen with my son when we had this new baby and mommy and daddy's attention all went to this new baby and how cute this new baby was, that he would understand it, that somebody would be playing with him. And so we figured out that we should have somebody to help play with him or figure out something we should do for him. And we thought, What could we do that would make our lives a whole lot harder? What could could we do that we'd have to take care of something? And so we decided we're going to get this child a dog. We're going to get this child a dog. (laughs) We began to think about this and... uh, We decided to drive to the pound and my wife and I were talking along the way to the Harris County pound and we said, there's some things that we have to do. We want this type of dog. It needs to be this height that can't be this color or this color or this breed. No, we're not doing that breed. And it can't be this kind of hair because of allergies and stuff like that. And I'll tell you one thing we're not gonna do. Yeah, I'll tell you another thing we're not gonna, we're not getting a puppy. No way we're getting a puppy. Are you crazy? New baby and a puppy? So we walked out with the puppy just too cute. We had to come back and get him. He had to have his shots and things like that. And sure enough, it worked. He, he was great with our son, but he caused all kinds of troubles, all kinds of messes as doggies do. And he would drive us insane in those early times. I remember the, t- the time came when he, he got through the fence and he ran away. And having that conversation with my son. I remember it was for a while. In fact, I remember it being overnight and talking with my son. And, and I remember saying, Daddy, is, is Scout going to come back home? Oh, that's a tough conversation. I remember being the next day and we were posting lost signs throughout our neighborhood when a lady said, hey, I think I have your dog. My wife was there. My, my son was there. And sure enough, here she comes with this puppy back And the reunion was incredible. And it was one of those moments where all three adults there were like, I'm not crying, you're crying. It's fine, we're adults. So sweet. But as he's grown up and he's traveled with us and he's moved with us, he's continued to be a bit of a stress. We love him, but he can be a bit ornery. You know, there is not a squirrel or a rabbit in town that is safe. He is a trained assassin, we have found out. Somehow, throughout the years, he has learned a way to mimic a human in distress when he moans with a a bit of vibrato. It's very bizarre, Dan, very strange. He drives us crazy at times, but, but we love him. And it was an interesting thing to to adopt a dog. You know, I understand that situation. You, you understand what that's like too. And in a way it's similar because, because we rescued him. 
the end for pound dogs is, is not good. We relocated him. We brought him to our house. We brought him in our family. In fact, he was named Taser first, which was not a good sign. I should have known ahead of time. We changed his name to Scout. We redeemed him. We paid for him. I understand that concept. You do too. And there are everyday illustrations of this concept in our lives that we understand, but, but here's what I can't comprehend is that God wouldn't be curious about what we would be like or how we might live. Rather, he knew it all. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He looked into the times we would make a mess of our lives, when we would run away, when we would break his heart, when we with stiffened necks and bowed backs, we would deny him time and time again with our lives. And yet he would see it all. Everything that we were, everything that we would be, he would look into it and he would say, I love you. I love you so much, I will give the most precious thing in my only begotten son to have you, to forgive you, to redeem you. And furthermore, sentenced to death and darkness caged by our sin, he would say, I want that one. I want him. I want her. I'll take them with their brokenness, with the luggage and the burden they carry. I want that one. That's the kind of love that I can't comprehend. See, the how of this walking worthy should challenge us but the why, oh, it ought to wreck us. See, it's this incredible juxtaposition we have in Jesus, which while we consider the immeasurable, crippling weight of Calvary, we feel the liberating lift of forgiveness that frees us up to walk worthily through this world. If you're here this morning, you haven't called on Jesus as your savior, if you haven't accepted the free gift that he gave us through his son, why don't you make this morning that time, that opportunity to embrace the chance to be rescued, relocated, and redeemed. Believers, let's join Paul in his prayer that we would please the Lord as a growing, gaining, giving people, that we would walk in the way, the truth, and the life following the footsteps of Christ. Why? Because he rescued us. He relocated us. He redeemed us. You know, you can, you can tell a lot about someone by the way that they walk. And the truth is, I don't know how you walked in here, but I pray you walk out purposed to walk worthy.
Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, it is a challenge to us to hear this prison prayer over the people of Colossae. God, too, it's your heart for us. God, that we would walk through this life, that we would live this life in a way that would honor you, that would please you, that would give you glory. God, we can't comprehend the kind of love that you've shown us. God, thank you. Thank you for the gift of your son. God, help us by your strength, by your power, by your spirit to walk worthy. In Christ's name we pray.